Welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm John Lawley and this is the Simplified Marketing Podcast. Now, the aim of this show is all about finding out about people who are actually doing it in business. Everyone from a you know, solopreneur right the way up to a medium-sized business, what actually works from a marketing sense, what systems do you need to have in place, and how do you actually get tangible results? We've all seen thousands upon thousands of Americanized podcasts telling you, you need to do this in your business, and you'll go from zero to five fifty billion billion within two weeks. And of course, then I'm trying to sell my own program because I'm not a multimillionaire anymore. But anyway, let's not go into the marketing techniques there we're using. What actually works if you are a business in the UK today? We have a lot of difficulties and challenges, let's say, facing us. So what actually works? We're here to interview those people. This particular show, we have a guy called John Peterman on. Now, John is a business advisor working in North London. Someone I came across through networking, someone who has a very good heritage because he's worked for some huge multinational corporations, Kodak being one, um, setting up the systems within their business um, in order to succeed. He's worked in the UK for them. He's worked in France. He's also worked in businesses in China as well. So it's got a very big, varied amount of experience working with businesses, helping them achieve more. So let's find out what's really working for him and his clients right now. Right. Okay. Welcome. Thank you very much, John, for being on the show. It's a pleasure. And thanks for inviting us into your house as well. That's also a pleasure. So tell us a bit more about you and your background. Okay. So my background, John, I started in the corporate world. I was in corporate for 20 years uh, actually started my life as an engineer but did a lot of things in the corporate world and the latter part of my career was very much going into different plants around the world different operations and working with people who were changing aspects of, of that type of corporate business um, both from a operational perspective in terms of uh, manufacturing but also from a supply chain operations and then business unit management perspective when I finally decided after a great 20 years of working in the UK, other parts around the world, that it was, it was time to do something else. I really enjoyed it, but I wanted to move on. I looked, looked at what I'd done and my kind of skill set and what I really enjoyed doing and realized that what I'd really enjoyed most was working with people who were passionate about improving the business that they were working in. Most of that time it had been corporate business, but still working with people who wanted to learn, wanted to do things differently, wanted to do things better. I'd spent parts of my career, to be honest, working with groups of people where that wasn't always what they wanted to do. And so I realized that people who were passionate and keen and enthusiastic was where I really wanted to work. And looked around and realized that that's probably people that are running their own business because it's theirs, it's their baby, it's their, you know, it's what they built in life. And they will naturally want it to improve, they will want it to be better, and they want it to live to deliver more for them and more for their families. Amazing. And you've you've had well, you've, you've worked for some huge companies yes. in the past. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you, are you allowed to tell us a bit more about that? Or Yeah, no, I, I certainly I worked for, well, I worked for the Eastman Kodak Group. It was a, a US-based company, but I worked for them mainly in the UK, but I also spent some time in France, some time in China, um, both working on manufacturing and then supply chain business operations, and then also some time back in the UK in different parts of the UK, a lot of my time was based in the head office in the Harrow area, but I also worked in the Midlands for them. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed doing that and got to meet a lot of very interesting 
different people. And one of the things I realized through that journey was that you could do the same manufacturing operation in China as we were doing in the UK, but it was very much around people and culture. And that when you're working with different people from different cultures, yes, you're still producing the same thing. You're producing it fundamentally in the same way with the same equipment to the same quality standards, but the interaction of the people within that operation is key and making sure that they understand what they're doing, why they're doing it. But in, but you have to make sure they understand that in a way that is meaningful to them. And so, I, so this, sorry, so the yeah. skill, if you're working with people in Europe, as opposed to China, is getting the best out of those people. It's getting the best out of those people. And if you have a team of people that are either working for you, sometimes I had people that were working for me, sometimes I was working with another operation as a kind of, troubleshooter going in looking at how we could improve their operation and the key is understanding the people understanding the team understanding what motivates them but never forgetting that there are objectives for the business whatever that business is and that you have to you have to mold those two things so that you get the team working most effectively for the business and particularly with what I do now working with people who own their own business their team is helping facilitate them run their business much more effectively and giving them the time to run their business is a, a phrase that I use a lot which is to make sure that people are working on their business rather than working in their business um, and that is very much about making sure business owners have the bandwidth to step back look at where their business is understand where they want it to go because it's like anything if you get in the car and you don't know where you want to go you're probably not going to get there <laughs> And I, I use an analogy that, that running a business is very much like, like going on a journey. The first thing you need to decide is where you want to get to. Then you need to plan your route. Then you need to work out how you're going to actually get from A to B along that route. And then you have to make allowances for the fact that the road you thought you were going to go on is, is closed because there's a flood. And running a business will be exactly the same as that. Even if you plan your journey perfectly, you know how you want to get there. There's going to be something or some things that will get in your way. Maybe a competitor opens up a similar business down the street. Um, so there's a change in a rule. There's a change in a regulation. There are some people issues. There are always things that are, are there to help pull a business owner and the, the direction of that business on off course. So what types of businesses then do you, do you currently work with? I actually now really enjoy working with a very broad range of businesses. So if I look at my current client portfolio, um, I have some professional businesses. So I've worked with, I have worked in the past with a number of legal firms. Currently, from a professional basis, I'm working with a brilliant architect's practice. Um, but I also have, I guess, at the other end of the extreme, you could say, I'm working with a business which has a manufacturing unit and working with the people in the manufacturing unit to get the best out of that operation. Um, but I do work with a very broad range of, of businesses. I'm working with a gardening company, um, working with a a brilliant kitchen supplier um, at the moment. So what leads someone then to start thinking about using the, your services, for example, or, or to, to bring you into their business? What, what's, what are the key things that they're thinking about or looking to do? I think it, it depends at what, what point I go into the business. So occasionally I, you know, I'm asked to look at a business plan for a business that doesn't even exist. But primarily what I love doing is working with an established business where somebody has built a business because they're very, very good at what they do. Um, be that they are a very good architect, be that if they're making chairs, they're a very good carpenter. 
very good carpenter starts making chairs and all of a sudden finds that because he's making very good chairs, he has three or four or five or six other carpenters working with him and he's making a lot of chairs and actually he's all of a sudden, he's not just a carpenter making chairs, he's somebody running a business. But he doesn't necessarily have the experience to run a business. He hasn't been trained to run a business. And he finds that managing a large team, a large sales force to sell all the wonderful chairs that he's making is becoming quite a challenge. And that's why I love going in and helping people in that situation so that they can structure their business so that they can still make the brilliant chairs. And I would never encourage and I never do talk to somebody running a business to take their eye off the fundamental of what started their business and what they're really good at, be that making chairs, be that a solicitor producing legal documents, be that a gardener going in and making sure that the gardens that his gardening company are now looking after are as immaculate as they were when he went there himself with the lawnmower and the, and the spade and did the planting. So it's, it's putting processes in place so that you can run a business effectively, but not lose control of what's actually happening. I think that's a really, really good point there, because if you are a perfectionist, like most business owners tend to be, how do you, how do you then get them in the mindset that they need to lose a bit of that control, I suppose, and let someone else do that for them? It's actually very interesting because I was having a, a conversation with, with a business I've worked with, a, an environmental services business I've worked with for a number of years with the owner managing director of that business and one of his key staff yesterday afternoon. And we were discussing exactly that point. This gentleman is an expert in what he does. He's passionate about what he does, but he is also very, very much a little bit of a control freak. And it's making sure, and we were talking about ways of transferring the decision-making to other members of his staff to allow him to focus on being the managing director of the business and not getting involved in every little decision and talking about the processes and procedures that we've already got in place, but how we can enhance those processes. What I believe is very important is the, I'll use the, again, the other analogy I use is the dashboard on a car. We all have cars now that have dashboards with lots and lots of different lights on them. When the engine warning light comes on, it doesn't tell us what's wrong with the engine, but it tells us that we need to look further or nowadays, probably we need to get a garage to look further, but it tells us that there's something wrong. That's what I believe you need to do in business. When you set up control systems, processes and procedures for your business, you need to understand what, what's normal, whether that be your sales, the rate of inquiries coming in, your sales leads, uh, whether that be the amount of time it's taking your operatives to do the job, whether it's how long it's taking for your clients to pay you. You understand what you expect to happen and you put a measure, a simple measure. I never believe in complicated measures. You put something simple in place so that if that is not functioning as you expect it to, maybe it's going up. If it's going up, great. Have a look at why you're getting more leads through. What's changed? What processes have been put in recently? Have you changed your social media strategy? Have you improved your website by using John Lawley, obviously? Oh, thank you. <laughs> but it's important to measure things in business, whether that's measuring improvements or measuring things that have changed. If you yeah. see something's changed, understand why. If it's a good change, understand why so you can do more of it. If it's a change which is detrimental to your business, understand why so you can fix it. But processes and procedures so that a business owner doesn't have to know every detail but can look at a, an overview to see what those issues are. I mean, that, that all sounds extremely logical and it's something that everyone really should be doing. But I yes. guess that most people aren't within their business. 
and that's that's the, that's the require that's the need and the, the need to go better. Yeah, yes, but is there a bit of a kind of a, an excuse the excuse the phrase but a bloody mindedness with a lot of business owners that they know exactly how to run their business and know exactly what to do, but obviously. <laughs> yes, potentially I, I, people who don't. I'm not sure I'd have chosen exactly that <laughs> phrase, but you know, if I think back to the conversation I had yesterday, it's a phrase that you could use. It, it could have, could have described that situation. Um, yes, I think there's a certain type of person though that tends to start their own business. Some people, to be honest, start their own business. I'm going to say by accident because they they find themselves yeah. needing to do something. Yeah. But a lot of people, um, for example the gardening company that I work with, the gentleman who owns that company, he loves gardening. He's passionate about gardening. And that's why he's found himself running a successful business. Um, and it is about making sure that you don't let that passion become a detriment to you. Attention to detail is a brilliant asset to have in life. But if you overdo it, it's like everything. A strength can, if it's used too actively becomes a slight weakness. And it, I do have that conversation with business owners where sometimes they have to accept that something is done not exactly as they want it to be done, but is still being done from a, from example, from a client perspective, it's still providing the quality of service or the quality of product that they would want the client to have, but it may be produced in a slightly different way, in a way that fits with the culture of, of the team and the abilities of the team that are producing the service or, or the offering. Everybody in life is, is good at certain things. Okay. And another phrase I use quite often with business owners is, if you have a member of your team that's a round peg, stop just trying to fit them into the square hole, because ultimately that's not going to work. To be honest, sometimes ultimately it doesn't work, and that has to end up with the team in the business actually slightly changing and is that that must be a factor because you know having you having worked with large teams and smaller teams as well mm. and everything in between um a lot of businesses in say north london will probably have quite a small team yes so yeah. would there would there be a natural expectation for those those people in that team to try and do more or take on responsibilities that weren't necessarily or they weren't necessarily good, that good at. No, I think you're absolutely right. In the smaller business, there does tend to be, by default, it's a slightly smaller business. There's a smaller team. You can't have every a specific person for every specific role. And sometimes that does mean that people are working outside their comfort zone. Now, I'm actually a firm believer and always have been that people who succeed in life always push themselves outside their comfort zone. Hmm. Now, of course, that has to be a reality. You can... If you're pushing somebody totally outside their comfort zone in one step, that's probably likely to fail. But if you're encouraging people and pushing them to do things that they're nervous about doing, not sure about doing, but you do it in a controlled way and you explain what you want them to do. And very much, I'm, re I'm a very, very strong believer in, if you want somebody to do something that they've not done before and they're not familiar with and they may be nervous about doing, explaining to them, why you want it done in a particular way. As a business owner, most people want things done in the way that they've always done them. And that's perfectly fair because it's their business. They've succeeded by doing it that way. But if you don't explain to your team why doing it that way is important to you, they'll think, well, they can do it another way and they get what they believe to be the same result. And that usually does end in tears, to be honest. I, I would, yeah, I would absolutely agree with you. I think 
thinking back to when I was in employment with various different people, that was always a massive, massive mm. source of contention, Yes, wasn't it? Do this, I will expect this result, but I'm not going to show you how to do it. Yes. And the, the lack of communication in a point like that is, is a huge, I mean, is that, is that the, the business owner or the leader um, not taking responsibility for, properly for that? I'm going to answer yes, it's them not taking responsibility, but I believe that it's them not taking responsibility because they're not aware of the importance of taking that responsibility. Right, okay. Because to them, they've been doing it for five years, three years, 10 years, however many years. They don't really understand anymore why necessarily they do it that way because it's just a second nature to them. And I suppose that is, that's another key point then to, to be working with someone like yourself who can point those yeah, I, because I, I look at it from a, I, I very much take a stand back approach to a business. Some people say to me sometimes when they first meet me, how can you help my business? And my answer sometimes surprises them, which is I really don't know. <laughs> because until I understand why the business is as it is, some of the roots of where the business has come from and where the business owner wants to take that business, I really don't know how I can help them. I'd usually be confident that there would be a way I could help them. But I never assume that I can help a business on day one without understanding why the business owner has achieved what they've achieved and where they want to take that business. This was also a philosophy I used to use when I was in the corporate world. I was never one of those people that would go in and feel that, okay, I'm new, I've come in, I have to show on day one that I know what I'm doing and I'm going to change something. I actually believe that is a disastrous strategy. I never believe in change for the sake of change understand what, why, then look at how you can harvest that what and why and improve upon it. Um, just going back a little bit to the, you know, the, what we were talking about before in terms of, of business owners not always explaining things fully and explaining the, the what yeah. and the why. Another phrase that I use quite often is I talk to people about the difference between abdication and delegation. And a lot of business owners, because running a, running a business is not an easy, stress-free thing to do. I wish it was. Absolutely. And I wish I could tell everybody that it will be. But running a business of your own is never going to be a stress-free thing to do. But business owners, when they do get stressed, they tend to do what I call abdication of responsibilities. And they're so busy that they say to somebody that's worked for them for two or three years that they assume knows exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. Why wouldn't they? They've seen me doing it for two or three years. They must know what I'm doing. They ask that person to do it. That person does it with the best of their ability, but they don't do it the way the business owner wanted it done. Just quite right. They, they might do it completely wrong, or they may do it 95% right, but the business owner, it wasn't done how they want it done. And maybe that 5% was actually really important in terms of the next step. And that's why I talk about it's very, very important for business owners to delegate and to have a proper process of delegation, but also have some key metrics in place so that you can see when you've delegated. So let's say, for example, um, invoice management. A business owner is always taking care of that for themselves. It's very, very important. You give a client an invoice, you want to make sure it's got paid. But it, you know, if you're an expert in making chairs, you don't have to be the person that, that does that and chases all the invoice. So... Somebody that's worked in your organisation, they know what to do. They see me chasing. They know that every third Friday I pick up the phone and chase the people that haven't paid for the chairs. 
So they just say to somebody, next, next time, will you phone up and do that? And the person phones up and they're not as good at it. They don't understand. They don't, they don't get the key message to put across. And six months later, there's a lot of outstanding invoices and that business is in trouble. Now, delegating that function properly would have taken longer the first time. It's always quicker to do something yourself than delegate effectively. But if you delegated effectively the first time and you have a metric so that you can see in the following months, actually, my payments are coming in just as well as they used to, or frankly, maybe even better. That's the kind of processes that I, I put in place with businesses. So, I mean, that all sounds absolutely fantastic. That's great information, I think, for people watching. What has been one of your best success stories? Oh, that's, that's an interesting <laughs> one because there are... I think I, I think I see there are success stories with what I do in terms of businesses. I, I categorize success stories into actually into two different camps. Okay. Um, some are success stories for the business. So the business turnover improves by X percent, 50 percent, 100 percent, whatever, you know, whatever we're looking at improving the business. So, for example, if I look at that, I'd say maybe one of my Successes is a small nursery school that I'm working with, which started out life <clears throat> actually as a childminding business, but it's now progressing, <clears throat> is a nursery, has a long waiting list, um, is looking, we're looking now at opportunities to expand, new building, etc. That's a business that the business has grown significantly. The income, the revenue, the profit of that business has, has grown significantly. Uh, but other times, because what, what I do is I get because I work very closely with business owners, I get to know business owners very well and I get to know them personally and sometimes I get to know their, their families personally. And a couple of things that, that stand out for me was a, a gentleman I was working with probably about seven or eight years ago now. We talked about holidays and I'll come back to holidays in a minute. <laughs> holidays are a big thing for me in terms of business owners. Yeah. And this young man had a young family, just uh, two very small children, um, he and his wife, his wife was a nurse. They hadn't been away for about four or five years, I think, for more than a long weekend. And we talked about business processes, but one of the objectives was to get the managers of his retail units, had three retail units, they could run those retail units effectively themselves, which would allow him to go away. And I remember him phoning me on a Saturday morning saying, I'm in the car, we're on the motorway, hands-free, of course. <laughs> I'm going away on holiday. Thank you. My wife and I, we haven't been away with the family for a proper holiday yet. This is our first proper holiday with the children. Brilliant. Things like that are brilliant to me. I love that. I have another client who always had an ambition. Um, he's a very, uh, very fit gentleman. He always had an ambition to go rowing on a river. And he had a particular river in mind that he wanted to go rowing on. And he's achieved that. He achieved that last year. Um, you know, and that, that's a great success story for me. That's a lovely combination because there's a success story in terms of the individual achieving what he's wanted to do. Um, and also a business where when I first met them, he was working out of a converted loft in his house. And I'd sit with him and his wife, who is also the director of the business. We'd sit around the dining room table and we'd talk about the growth of the business. And we'd talk about the round pegs in the square holes and, you know, the financial impacts of, of things that were going on in the business. And now I'm still working, meeting with the same client, but now we don't meet around the kitchen table. We meet around the table in his office, which is in fact in a purpose-built building that obviously being an architect, 
he designed himself. So there's been a lot of personal growth there in terms of the individual, but also a lot of growth in terms of the business, the reputation of the business. So, you know, that that's some good examples, I think, of where, you know, to me, it's not just, it isn't just about numbers on a piece of paper and a business making a lot of money. It's about the business owner having time to enjoy the success that they make from their business. And maybe they want to enjoy that success or they enjoy that success with their family. Brilliant. So just, just finally then, from people who have been watching, yep. um, what would be a first step for a business owner or a number one thing that someone needs to think about within their business in order to start achieving more success? It's making sure that they are finding time to plan the rest of their journey. If it's an established business, they've had a journey. I talk about turning good businesses into great businesses or great businesses into brilliant businesses. I work primarily with people who are very, very good at what they do. And because they're very, very good at what they do, they've had a level of success. But they kind of start hitting a little bit of a glass ceiling where they find it very hard to replicate themselves, replicate their processes. And as we said earlier, to let go of some of the intimate, having to know everything about everything that goes on in their business. So the first step, I believe, is realizing that you're at that point. And I think a lot of business owners actually don't realize that until too late. And that is a danger okay. because if it's if you leave that too long, you, you've kind of gone past and some of the frustrations are building with you and some of the frustrations are building with your team. So it's very much if as a business owner, you feel that you're not getting time to plan the growth of your business, plan the next part of your journey. And you are maybe you're struggling to get what you perceive to be the best out of your team. I don't tend to believe that, that, that anybody goes to work to not do a good job. But a lot of business owners I talk to feel that their team are not pulling their weight. They're not, they're not working as effectively as they would like them to do in their business. Now, I'm not saying that's always the fault of the business owner or it's the fault of the individuals, but quite often the communication structures are there and the understanding of the what and the why and the how is not there effectively. And I believe that putting good, solid processes in so that the business owner understands the what, why and the how can effectively translate that into what the team does and have appropriate measures there to ensure that the team are achieving. And, you know, let's be realistic. If things aren't working out, sometimes you have to deal with it. But that's also part of running a business. Probably the, the toughest part of running a business, actually, is when you do have a member of your team that, despite everything, it's not working out. Uh, because that can have has a detrimental impact on you as a business owner, but it also has a very detrimental impact on the other members of the team. And you have to deal with that. Brilliant. Well, th thank you very much, John, for uh, for allowing yeah. us in. That was fascinating, and I think we've got a lot of value there. We could have gone on, I think, for much longer, but um, that yeah, just gives we, you... A, we can do part two in a few months, maybe. We'll do a, absolutely do a follow-up. Um, thank you very much for watching. If you'd like to find out pleasure. more... Um, about both me and John, then there's information below on the page. And you can also download, um, John has put very kindly put together a top 10 tips um, for running your business. Um, you can download that now from further below on the page. Thank you very much, John. Thank you, John. So there you have it. 
Thank you very much for watching. I hope that was useful and enjoyable. Don't forget, you can download and watch all the rest of the series of our podcasts online at marketingsimplified.co.uk. And you can also download all the PDFs, top tips, resources, find out more about our contributors at the same URL. That's all for this time. But don't worry, we'll be back with more soon. Stay tuned for new episodes at marketingsimplified.co.uk.